Should we do our clap now? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's Tim, do you that. Count us off? Yeah, sure. Three, two, one. Whew. <laughs> sounded pretty good off. on this end. I mean, yeah, it sounded fine here. It, it's also oh, that's weird. You know, uh, doing it at that at that pace means we all have to count the correct amount of space in there. The hard pace. Yeah. That itself is a vi- little bit of a video yeah. That, game. that, that is one or of the an audio game, as it were. It's kind of like when I play a game like Oendon, it's a lot easier for me at harder levels because the thing I have to tap is on screen for a shorter amount of time. Yeah. Right. I'm just, I'm, I'm okay with replicating a fourth beat based on three. I mean, I'm, I'm not the best drummer in the world, so maybe I'm a little, I don't know. Are you in the top hundred drummers in the world? No. Oh, I'm going to say no on that one. Probably top 10,000, <laughs> I would bad. say. It's a good rate considering how many drummers there are. Don't want to, you know toot my own horn too much here though i think i have something resembling a hidden talent when it comes to playing the drums i don't i don't show it off there's not not much on the public you're record. tooting your horn you're not in the percussion section at all yeah exactly totally different zone. that was that was going to be another part of my joke but we can leave it at that the tuba maybe Episode 172 of the Insert Credit Show, a relentlessly paced video game talk show featuring a panel of experts with the solemn task of answering a series of 10 time-limited questions over the course of an hour. I am your host and moderator, Alex Jaffe, and my favorite bird in a video game are the seagulls that you can control in The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker by putting a pair on your Oh, excellent. Um, I'm Frank Cifaldi, and my favorite bird in a video game um, is in its Big Bird from the educational Sesame Street games for the original NES because um, he's fully voice acted. Really? Um, he is. When you answer one of his very, very simple, you know, for little kids trivia questions like which letter is A and you pick A. Is that goes, trivia for a child? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Big Bird, I mean, Big Bird goes, yeah. uh, he goes, wow. Just like that. Like that. that's how he says it. Is that and, a genuine uh, Carol it's Spinney? pretty good. I don't know what that means, Alex Gavin. Uh, Carol Spinney played Big Bird on Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 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 the real deal. Um, and she they, probably they didn't have... mean to sound sarcastic when she said, wow, but she does. He. He. Oh, excuse me. A lot me. of people don't mind to sound the way they do. You know what I mean? They don't, yeah, they right. don't really, they don't try, they don't mean it. I'm, I'm Tim Rogers, and my favorite bird in the video game is not uh, Kazooie from Banjo-Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, every other bird is fine by me. I know Brandon's going to say that birds and ninja guide that fly down at a 45-degree angle just as you jump off of a ledge. Though, you know what I would actually say right now today, based on recent events? i got to say I like those crows in Bloodborne. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Those big chubby crows. Big, weird, oily, chubby kind of crows slurming around on the ground, dragging their wings. Too bloated to fly. And you just kind of whack them with your axe or your hammer. And they just scream and die. Those are That is a, a heck of a piece of bird art in video games. Just off the top of my head. That's my vote for today. Thanks. I actually forgot about those Ninja Gaiden birds. Uh, I'm Brandon Sheffield. <laughs> my my favorite bird... Yeah, my, my actual favorite is probably the owls in 
Castlevania Order of Ecclesia, where because you can get them as familiars and they're your buddies, and you can get up to three. When you get one, it hangs oh. out on your shoulder. When you get two, then one hangs out on each shoulder. And when you get three, one is on your head. And so if you're just standing there, you got three owls on yourself. It looks really cool. That's great. It is great. But also there's, I was thinking of this specific pigeon I saw in in Yakuza 3, I think. And the pigeons on the ground in that game, they're not like the pigeons of reality where they will actually get out of your way sometimes. These ones will just stand there. And so... I was I was in a cutscene and there were people walking by and they were just pushing this pigeon back and forth. It was just sliding around uh, and I found it incredibly hilarious. And so I like that bird also, although it's not my absolute favorite. The Ninja Gaiden bird is real good though, huh? Yeah, pretty That's good bird. It's a, a good practical joking bird. That's I didn't mention it because I just figured Brandon would. Yeah, I, I that's why it. I would I would have I would have brought it up. Uh, that was that would have been the one I chose. Well, you did wind up doing it in the end. Well, no, I, I stuck with the crows. Those crows are sick, dude. Previously on Insert Credit, episode 10, September 2012, My Neighbor Totillo. I ask, <laughs> what can we, the viewers, expect from the upcoming Metal Gear Solid movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh good very question. good. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. I asked that nine years ago. Okay. Um... We can expect it to star Oscar Isaac, I think. That's, that would my money be on that. He'd be Solid Snake. That's good money. That's all I got. I feel like one of us must have said this nine years ago, but um, I expect, nay, I demand uh, a really sculpted butt on Solid Snake that is the the, the focal point of several shots in the movie. I'm going to say they need to go full Batman and Robin and put a hole on it. Yeah. A hole on his you know? butt? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like like, yeah, like chaps yeah. or like... A, no, no, I mean, I mean, like, like the Batman and Robin nipples on the suit. They need to put a butthole, a on butthole butt. on the butt. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. I think they should do it. I think they should, they should legit do it. So why not? I guess one development since then is that, um, since that time, both Tim and I are Twitter mutuals with the, the current director of the film. Uh-huh. Jordan Vote Roberts. Yeah. That's so I something. expect myself to be an extra in the film. Uh, let's just say I'm going to go ahead and um, this is exclusive to the insert credit show. Discussions are underway about me being an extra in the film. Discussions are underway. So what do you think your role will be? I, I specifically requested that I want to be someone who gets killed by Solid Snake. And I have a lot of museum grade replica U.S. military clothing that I could wear. If it's a scene set in Vietnam or whatever, I got that covered. If the film has a no kill run, uh, would you accept being tranked? Actually, that would be much more fun. Okay. Because I would, I would insist on real tranquilizers being used. <laughs> <laughs> well, would you prefer to be tranked, or would you prefer for uh, Oscar Isaac to choke you out? Um, I think, I, I think uh, the choke would be good. I would insist on real choking. So yeah. <laughs> that one would have a risk of permanent uh, tracheal damage. And then would you get shoved into a locker or now? I would get stood up in the locker yeah yeah that's the good one yeah i don't know if there's gonna i i i'm envisioning it as a scene set in like a flashback uh in the metal gear solid 3 era um and uh, i don't know who plays big boss but if it's oscar isaac playing big boss then uh that would be cool here's a question for 2021 sure. variant of this question which is do we think kojima will be more or less involved now that he is not at konami because he was when we first talked about this question and he was still in charge of the franchise at that time and now he has nothing to do with it but does that mean he's more likely to get involved personally i think that means it's more possible that he could actually do something because you know as as 
as I've discussed before, there's a an indivisible animation. I don't know if it's TV or movie that has been optioned out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am not even allowed to have anything to do with it because they don't want to work with the original company that made the game or whatever. They don't want to work with them. Shoot, that's hilarious. Wow. Yeah, I think uh, Jordan Vote Roberts would probably want to get Kojima involved and would be able to because Kojima isn't working at Konami. But maybe Konami could veto it. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. There's a whole lot going I on I suspect there. Konami would pull some garbage if they tried to involve Kojima. I feel yeah. like any given American Hollywood movie studio could uh, could pay Konami enough money. Yeah. To just own Metal Gear Solid forever, and then Metal Gear Solid, no, there won't even be any games of it. It'll become yeah. a movie franchise. What, like uh, Mila Jovovich's uh, Resident Evil? Yeah, except they still make Resident Evil games, don't they? Isn't there a new one of those? I, th- I think they can. They made a couple. Yeah, but they have very little to do with the uh, games. Yeah, but Tim's talking about buying buying the license buying outright, the... and then <laughs> yeah. only MGM or whoever owns Metal Gear, and and Konami doesn't own it. Yeah, there's no more video games anymore. It's just all movies. And then eventually we get like a sort of midways Street Fighter, the movie, the game, Metal Gear Solid game. Yeah, but I'd do we it. even know if Kojima has any interest in directing movies? <laughs> yeah, it's hard no, to say. Very good question. Seems like he's not super into it. Uh, he seems uh, he seems interested in being involved with the Metal Gear Solid movie, which is puzzling. It's, it seems like there's been interest spoken about on, on social medias and such. One thing that Konami probably can't even mess with his name's going to be in the credits because he's the creator of record for the characters oh, so sure. he will have to be credited in the screenplay uh under the characters bracket i think so why not get him in there some more then again you just never know how the japanese video game industry works across time and uh medias and mediums and and, and oceans and whatever they could they could get his name ripped out of there they could do it well i think I we solved the that one. there's a scream for you yeah I think the real answers we'll just have to get Jordan Vote Roberts to be a guest on the show at some point soon. Yeah, he'll he'll let us know. He'll tell us probably every secret about it. Yeah. I don't see why not. No, there can't there's no reason not to. Frank, you won last week's episode. Uh so you get to choose Shoot. whether you want to ask your question now <laughs> oh, or God. if you want to ask your question near the end of the show. Um I don't know. Let's do it right now. It's something I just thought of. I Wonderful. just got my Probably second email this week. Not very many emails. Asking specifically (laughs) how to get into the career that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Oh, the career that you specifically are in? Yes. Uh, How do you make a career uh, out of video game game preservation? preservation. Right. Um, Which is not my question. Uh, But all three of us, I think, have jobs that there's no answer to. So how do we answer these emails, boys? Yeah. I usually just ignore them. (laughs) <laughs> Unless the person has offered me money to uh, to teach a lecture, uh, to 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 frame it frame it uh, as a lecture, at which point I ta- I go, how much money are we talking about here? Well, you do that if it's like a college student who's just very sweet and is like, I really like video games and your videos. How do I do what you do? Usually, I just tell them to uh, to heck off. Yeah. And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I I reply to these people all the time. Though I've got to say the. I do, in fact, ignore a lot of them if they're not, they don't ask anything specific or give me any, anything specific at all. So if it's just someone being like, how, or do you got any advice for someone who wants to get started on this career? It's like, you gotta, you gotta give me like a little bit of something about yourself. You gotta give me a more detailed question. So 
usually I just kind of freeze up at that point because I think the answer to that question for that guy, for general purposes, is all over my work. It's everywhere in there. So if, if anyone has ever sent me a nebulous email like that and they're listening to this right now, uh, the reason I didn't answer was because I just, I'm not 100% sure what the answer is. I had an, a new revelation the, uh, yesterday, which was based on some tweets that friend of the show, Laura Miche, were making, uh, was making, what? Uh, I, I lost my grammar. Anyway, <laughs> uh, um, and which is uh, amusing given the point I'm about to make, which is that if you want to be a, a writer for games, it's important that you learn to write other people's styles. I hadn't mm, thought yeah. about this, but um, Laura was talking about how she was like convinced as an early game writer that she needed to be super original and, you know, show how different she could be when in fact all of her writing jobs have been continue writing this thing that this other person started or add more lore in this style. And so the reason that she was actually able to be good at it is because you know, she had to emulate other people's styles in a humor magazine that she worked on or a newspaper that she worked on in the past. And I was realizing for myself that, you know, I hadn't thought about this as a skill, but for me, I also had to do that kind of stuff. And I had been like an editor for 10 years and that helped me be able to write in other people's styles. So I guess one of the answers for game writing is to write fan fictions and try to write things that sound like other games, in addition to doing, of course, your own creative stuff and making your own twines and whatever. But you probably want... A friend of mine has taken a test to try to get into Nintendo localization. Is it a loyalty test? Yeah, right. <laughs> like choose one of these, Mario or Sonic. It's just a... <laughs> yeah. It's taking like rough translated text and turning it into nicely written English. And the question yeah. was whether to do it Nintendo style or whether to give your own spin on it. And I was like, man, I don't know the answer to that question. Like, if it were me, I might try to do both. I'd be like, here's Nintendo. This is this this is how it would sound if it was Banjo in Banjo Kazooie or whatever. Banjo Kazooie is by Rare. That's not by Nintendo. Yeah, I mean, enormous difference. Treehouse localized the British English into American English. Right. Though, so right. right. There we go. Thanks for saving me, uh, Frank. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, just having that kind of stuff under your belt is probably a good idea. So that's one piece of advice I could give. I think for all three of us, the unfortunate answer is you just make stuff until someone notices and then they start yeah. paying you and then you use that until you can figure out how to get paid yourself and then you do that instead. I try not to use the term go back in time at the start of all of these, but I always oh, yeah. think it like just just go back to 15 years and then do this. Yeah, yeah. go back, go back to the, the couple years before you were born and uh, ask that your dad be born as a millionaire. Yes, that was that's what I would do. That's a good. Um, ask that my dad go back in time. <laughs> yeah, that and, would be uh, easy. Offer but... <laughs> some stock advice. I would go back in time to when my dad was a child and ask him to go back in time to when his dad was a child and tell him to invest in. Uh, I don't. Know. I don't think. I don't think it's that much harder to <laughs> publish good content now. I think it might be a little easier. Um, it might be harder to get noticed. Yeah, but uh, I think it's a lot. I think we've got a lot more tools. We've got things like YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's probably easier to make the kind of content that would like make someone notice like an editor or whatever. I, not that there's jobs for editors anymore, I guess, but right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't need no editor. I think the tough part <laughs> with that stuff is a lot of the, a lot of the things that are easier to do are like content creation and whatever. And that doesn't really lead you to being in, to making video games. Uh, 
Um, yeah, right. and the the ease of content creation has a lot of people confuse me for getting paid a lot of money on Patreon to do something easy. Trust me, everyone, it's very hard what I do. Um, I get asked the question all the time, how do I launch a successful Patreon? I think I've mentioned this on this exact show, and the answer is uh, do the same thing for like 20 years mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and just gradually build up an audience. Yeah. Oh, Jeff, he had his timer started a little bit uh uh, earlier than I had mine started. Mine goes off right here. So we have that's a start of the question versus an end of the question time. Double screen. Yeah, yeah. I I, I waited until you were completely done and uh, the first sentence of the answer was underway. Uh, had, Alex had, Trebek style. Was a syllable in. Yeah, I was waiting for a syllable. This is good. This is where we're game designing our show as we uh, continue. You always always be learning. That's a, that's the ABL. answer to the question. Always be learning new stuff and tweak your design. You guys remember E3? It's back in streaming digital presentation form. Oh, yeah. Mm, that's, yeah. that's what it's been for me for a couple of years now, so I'm no different. Yeah, I'm gonna, is I'm, this just what E3 is now? I hope not. I'm going to tell you what. I watched the god darn... I watched the... I've started the timer now. I've, I watched the <laughs> god darn Game Awards last year, back in December. Me and Brandon watched it. Yeah. That, that was... There was no reason to watch that. I couldn't get through the whole thing. No. Who's going to watch the E3, though? I'm going to watch it. Why not? I mean, I read books, you know? I watch films, you know? Um, however, because of the coronavirus, I watched some stuff on the streaming services over the last 12 months. I pray I would never have watched in my life. I watched this Lupin show, this French show on Netflix, just People because it asking, was French. People have been asking, is it good or is it just French? And that's... It is, it is French. Okay, uh, got it. It is it is worse than CSI and it is nice. worse than BBC's Sherlock, but it is French. Yeah. And if you want four and a half hours of something French, it has some of the most boneheaded, uh, losery, uh, mystery plot stuff that I've ever seen. The the mystery stuff is oh my god. Yeah. So I watched that, and I mean I didn't just watch it. I drank it with a milkshake straw. I mean I just I watched straight through it because what else am I gonna do? I played, I got every ending in Cyberpunk 2077 because uh, I just, I'm stuck inside and I don't want to go out there. So if, if this thing is still going to be going on in June and uh, I mean, God help us. Uh, it definitely is, isn't it? It's, it's oh, not yeah. going to oh, yeah. be over. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> it's, they're not going to solve it. There's not going to be a, there's not going to be an over the counter cure available next to the boner pills at every 7-Eleven. Uh, in like the next two weeks, right? There's like, and that's the only way people would take it. People talking about they don't want the vaccine. Oh, but they would they would take it if it was like next to the the no dose and the uh, uh the wiener pills at the gas station. They would take it. You know, it's Corona Protect or whatever they would call it. Pick it up it. with a Stroop waffle. It'd be like have Captain like a boot like Captain America on it with like a shield, but instead of the American star, it would be like a coronavirus. It would be like right. like you know like the the weird the the little virus diagram. Yeah. That's the only way that the coronavirus would end is if one of those pills came out from the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, and it had Mar MCU branding on it and it came out in, in the next week. So yeah, I'm going to watch E3. I don't care. Yeah, I'll watch Fire it. it up. That wasn't the question, though. The yeah. question was, is this what E3 is now? And I hope I not. mean, we're all going to watch E3 and we might even do like a Twitch special or something. I don't know. I don't, we'll I don't think, I, I suspect that it's very possible that there is no E3 next year. 
um, yeah. uh, musical yeah. or otherwise, because they are currently charging their partners uh, six figures to be a part of their video stream. Um, wow. And, uh, That's ridiculous. As far as I know, every ESA partner has a direct to consumer marketing arm that does video already. Yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm not really sure what they get from E3 if it's not in person. Yeah, E3 is going to be happening in the ether of the internet. I think they might lose a lot of people again, and they they've been losing companies, bleeding companies every every year. I noticed the Game Awards uh, this year. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm rooting for Jeff Keighley to uh, to crush E3. Wouldn't that be cool if he just crushed oh, yeah. E3? If he destroyed it? If he uh, he said he was he wasn't going to be at last year's E3, like he parted ways with them or whatever. He's doing his own thing now. Um, I I you know go ahead and let that guy just be the the human E3. Jeff Key 3, you know? Um, but I, also, I, don't, I don't care for either of them, to be honest. I like going to E3. Yeah, well, I guess I'm in the minority here, but I, I like no, to I'm go there. No, I'm saying Jeff Keighley will have an E3. He oh, will, if he he will E3, have an in-person event. Sure. Yeah, so so here's here's my punchline, though, is I talked about all the trash I watched on Netflix. Just to recap for everyone who forgot some from four minutes ago. I talked about all this trash I watched on TV, and I'm going to tell you what. If there is an E3 in person in the year 2022, I will go. And I know many other people will too, and E3. they will love that E3. It'll be the greatest experience in the world. You, I mean, I'm gonna love it. I'm gonna just be like, this rules being at E3, dude. Me and Steve Lynn were were talking about. Um, he bought Kentiahall.com, right, the website, and we were talking about getting some of that. For those of you who don't know, back in the old days at E3, there was one of the halls called Kentia where just all the nonsense went, and it was like. Mm-hmm all the government presentations for like Taiwan and Thailand and Norway and Denmark. And then you had United Arab Emirates. Yes. And you had uh, people with like weird handhelds that they had made that maybe never came out. Uh, the GP32 and the bingo were there. The GP whiz was there. Bingo. <laughs> bingo. Uh, bingo. And then you get your gamer chairs and VR headsets from 2006 and it was it was just like a free-for-all of nonsense all the retailers were there and that was a fun place to just is like, like one target employee just walking around in his uniform yeah. like, can i help anybody find anything <laughs> it was basically like uh like sifting through a flea market and sometimes you would find something interesting and most of it is just trash and that that experience was fantastic and i miss it so i hope e3 isn't dead forever or something will replace it I hope Key Three has uh, they has uh, its own Kentia Hall. Yeah, is what I'm hoping. Oh, Kentia Hall is just packs now. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's. I guess so. True. If we define a perfect game as one which exhausts every satisfactory application of its core concept, which games Ooh. fit that definition? Every satisfactory. Uh, uh, the the Lost Vikings. Not a penny more than it needs to have put into any of its level designs. It's just. Uh, they they do everything at least once and it's just nice and clean. Squeezes Go. all the juice out of that fruit. I have a hard time thinking of what what is fully exhausting the core because I my first thought was Tetris, but is it fully exhausted? I don't know. No. You can do other stuff with it probably. No. Funny to do. A lot of that Tetris fruit is bad fruit, rotten fruit, forbidden fruit, such as like that Tetris ninety nine game. The game's dumb. You ever you ever try that? It's it's stupid. It's you're playing Tetris against ninety nine other people. Who cares? You can't even see their games. There's no nothing personal. You can to see it. them, but not no, very well. You can see. You can see them. It's just not uh not meaningful. It's not personal. It doesn't have any any intimacy to it. No, but it's I, just, I, I don't think it's a bad want. idea. I I think it's a pretty uh, smart way to add a little zazz 
to the Tetris franchise for a while. So I think it's a pretty good way to uh, to scam uh, people into saying, "I remember Tetris." Oh, a boing! I think that's what it's pretty good at. That's for oh boing. Yeah. No, you know what? You know what game is real good though? Tetris Two. That's a joke. It's not. I played Tetris Two recently. It's not very good. You ever play that one? Yeah. Zoop. You ever play Zoop? Is that a perfect game? <laughs> In a way, it sure was on everything. It was on Jaguar CD. Yeah, oh man, with that soundtrack. If we're considering the constraints of the media that it appears on, um, Super Mario Brothers is nearly perfect. I don't. They could not have squeezed anything else into that game. They even yeah. squeezed that minus world in there. The, it's like yeah. got like this glitch core thing going on. I think you could say the same of the original Pokemon. It really stretched the limits of the hardware at the time. Pocket no, Monster Trainer. Question, isn't it? Stretching the limits of the yeah, hardware? Yeah, not really what else. it is. But no, it's not no. The, yeah. And that's also not what I was saying. I was saying right. that within the medium on the cartridge, ah. couldn't have fit anything else on the cartridge. That is, if you compare that game to all the other games on that hardware, that is a remarkable game. It's yeah. meticulous. You want to say something about if I'm gonna, I want to say Pokemon. Uh, Pokemon does a whole lot more than exhaust its core mechanics. It 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 duplicates and triplicates its own mechanics within one game, and uh, it's uh, it's never as interesting as uh, as as the core of uh, fight your buddies with a link cable could be. Yeah, I I think Pokemon for, is a good example of the opposite of that yeah. because every Pokemon game that I play makes me think, what if someone made a really good one of these? Like, what, <laughs> what would that be like? That would be really cool. I'd probably love it. They made a good one. Yeah, something where like every minute of it was really crafted. Yeah. To be a progression. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm thinking, I don't know, like I, maybe I'm just stuck on the NES right now, but something like the Lolo games, I think are oh, similar man. to the Lost Vikings in that they really exhaust everything you can do. Yeah, Lolo, uh, the Adventures of Lolo 2 I like a lot. I recently replayed all, all three of them, and uh, well, they're they're good games, Kyle. They're good games. Talking, shouting out my friend Kyle, who I was talking to about Lolo recently. There's got to be some shooters that have done it, like maybe R Type Final, but maybe not. It's it's no, hard. The problem to... with R Type is that they're always bringing in bosses with these full screen bosses yeah. that completely change the visual language of the game. So by design, R Type never. Shows right, it's, you it's supposed to be extensible, um, and yeah, and, but it feels like shooters because I guess the reason I'm stuck on it is because shooters have this one CC perfect play style of thing that you can do, and so in a way, like they're a game that you can perfect. Um, it's not a perfect game itself, but it it feels like it's it feels like it's in there. Like asteroids might you know have exhausted all of its possibilities but maybe not i i sort of feel like nothing has simultaneously asteroids is i the feel best. like all the answers are going to be simple games like yes. like mm-hmm. lost vikings like lolo like maybe in asteroids i don't know like super mario brothers i think yeah. we can all agree about bubsy 2 though bubsy 2 perfect yeah, that's, game, yeah yeah perfect game yeah yeah uh, earthworm gym 3 was there an earthworm gym 3d 3d yeah uh, on the like 64 playstation stuff like that yeah. really bubsy. really nailed it <laughs> All right. We've mentioned Bubsy, so I think it's time to go on to the next question. <laughs> oh. It's the, that's the Bubsy rule. The old Bubsy buzzer. Uh, do you fine. know that the Bubsy, the Bubsy papers were donated to a museum? Have <laughs> we discussed this? We didn't discuss it. I saw no. it on your Twitter. Feel okay. free to use our remaining moment. Papers. The Bubsy papers. Michael Berlin, uh, who was the you know creator, lead designer of Bubsy, and also some beloved games for Infocom, stuff like that. Um, Donated Anything his more beloved personal, than Bubsy, though? 
No, nothing. Um, <laughs> donated his personal archives uh, to the Strong Museum of Play. Uh, so the the Bubsy papers exist in a museum library that one yeah. can access and and Good. study how uh, how Bubsy and Bubsy 3D were made. He had nothing to do with two. He hates two. He's very upset about two. <laughs> <Bubsy> two <laughs> one, very... one of the lesser um, uh, Charles Dickens works, but not without merit. <laughs> Two is where they investigated what could go wrong. <laughs> two, yeah. two was a different team. Two was just different people. Had nothing yes. to do with Berlin. Bubsy so. Two is about what could probably. Yeah, can, go can I just say on the record, right? That yeah. Bubsy Bubsy Two is. Uh, you know what? I don't use this phrase frequently. I'm going to use it today. It's up there in my list of most wrong-headed video games. Yeah, it was. It was wrong-headed. You and I uh, played it on the on the short-lived streaming show that we had. Yeah, uh, the fun dumpster. You want to know something? You want to feel old? That show wasn't really that short lived. It went on for like two years. Was <laughs> <laughs> that was like a that was like a weekly ritual for a a, a, a general a, a genuinely pretty long period of time That's uh, weird. in both of our lives? Yeah, weird, huh? I, I always get freaked out by stuff like that. It's time to play the adaptation game. Uh, okay. This week's challenge: adapt <sighs> Saturday Night Live into a video game. Okay, it's real bad. Okay, yeah. number one. I don't ever want to work on a video game unless it's a video game that, that uh, has a timeless quality to it. I refuse to, for example, in the writing of the script of my game, Truck Heck, uh, reference any modern memes, you know, or and whatnot. Nothing of the zeitgeist belongs in any game I would ever work on, which makes Saturday Night Live a particularly nefarious task. So right. I would want this to be, to be a game that lives on forever. So Wait, you would why have would to... you? Because it's a... Saturday Night Live game like it, it I feel like this should be a game that is about the news and should be kind of disposable like you no, no. Well, you check what, in on saying. it it's a free to play game check in on it every day it pre it procedurally generates new news did yeah. you see that that unreal metahumans thing they announced yesterday yeah did you see that okay I'm talking a new metahuman president of the United States uh just every week is generated with a name and a backstory and uh, is played by a different celebrity and it's either it's either Jeopardy or uh, something and that's how the game begins the, the game begins with the new metahuman US president it's Unreal Engine 5 we're using Unreal Engine 5 for this right mm -hmm. sure okay that's my only I, I just want to see a, <laughs> I just want to see a different US president uh, I don't want All to right. see any existing U.S. president caricatures uh, or impersonations that have ever been done on the show. It has to be new ones. So the first part of every game is doing a sketch about the procedurally generated president. If, yeah, if we're yeah, doing metahumans, we can just bring back Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd and all these people. and We, we can just put them in there. Did you see uh, Eddie Murphy hosted Saturday Night Live last year or whatever? No. And he did. He brought back all his old characters and whatnot. Uh, How'd that go? I, I, I didn't, well, here's, here's the joke. You ready for this? Yeah, I didn't he, watch it, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, I saw people tweeting about it and I was like, I was like, Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's my, that's my feelings on Saturday Night Live. Put on that Gumby costume one last time. Sure. I don't know. I have a phone that I keep under my pillow. That's just for my white noise app. And, yeah. uh, every once in a while it gets new Apple news updates and I see them and I'll like look at it on Sunday morning. I'll wake up and I'll just like, look at my phone and there'll be like a, so-and-so brings back character blank on last night's Saturday Night Live. And I'm like, what? Why is this coming from the New York Times? You know, <laughs> Alec Baldwin killed it again. You know, I'm like, what? I guess you got to just get Alec Baldwin in the game is what I'm what I'm getting at here. I think I would do an adventure game that takes place in the studio 
as opposed right. to you running oh, yeah. the show. That you're an intern. So it would, you're a, you're it would, an intern. It would be a murder mystery for a murder that happened behind the scenes, like maybe during a skit. Right? Who killed and, Lorne Michaels? But like the the <laughs> show still has to go on, but you have to solve the murder before they get out of the studio. Uh, right. And you're going through things like dressing rooms and 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 things like that, and t- talking to Eddie Murphy or whatever. There's a movie called Stage Fright, directed by Michelle Suave, which is uh is essentially a killer infiltrates your cast. Um, and since the cast is all wearing masks and stuff, they didn't know who it was for quite a while. Um, yeah, that that kind of stuff could be pretty cool in here. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's ran- the the killer is a random beloved right. cast member of Saturday Night Live, and <laughs> and uh. They they filmed them all actually murdering someone. Oh, that's to, good. Uh, so it's, yeah. it's got a night trap thing going on. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. And there's and there would be absolutely no humor in it. No. No. No zero. <laughs> just like just a regular like the episode. Yeah. There, there like, really isn't any in the show either. Um, you really you so, um, actually have to watch Dan Aykroyd <laughs> murder a human. It's not funny. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the videotape of that actually exists. Good have you seen that guy? Guy's wild. I like Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> You ever seen Nothing But Trouble? I so bought Nothing you, But Trouble. Yeah, I know we've, we've, we've talked about this before. Um, I, was, I, I, just, I was waiting for a moment to name drop the Nio Marsh uh, novel, A Man Lay Dead. Uh, and uh, we, we sailed right past the murder mystery and the locking the doors in the theater thing. I would have sounded really smart to exactly like three vintage mystery fans from New Zealand. That's so, what our show's for. Yeah, if you're a, if you're a fan of vintage New Zealand uh, authored mystery novels... Shout me out. Saturday Night Live. Celebrity Jeopardy has got to be in there. Maybe someone's murdered during the Celebrity Jeopardy uh, skit. Is it a skit or a sketch? Which one is that? It's a skit. It's a skit. A, does a sketch comedy have skits? I think it the does. Game, the game opens with a with like Joel from The Last of Us putting a shotgun to your head and saying, tell me the difference between a skit and a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> and if oh, you, God. Uh, this isn't really turning out to be much of a video game at all. I think no. it should be an FM, an FMV in the style of Until Dawn. I mean, I think Frank already solved it. Is the is the problem? Yeah. And now we're just. I think going you should further. be you should be an intern, and you have to get a pen to uh, Lorne Michaels, and you're jumping across the stage lights and working your and a 16 bit side scrolling your way through several beloved sketches such as Wayne's World. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. And it's by well, ocean. Can we? Yeah, can we it's, get it's ocean Wayne's back? Wayne's World and Blues Brothers levels by ocean, and it's like from those games. Yeah, and there's a lethal weapon level in there too for no, yeah. no reason. <laughs> and they've all got giant heads. Uh, we will my, be right back <laughs> after a big quick head. break. Saturday night, big head, baby. What I was tapping into was there it was a point-and-click adventure uh, for Plan 9 from Outer Space Yeah, uh, that does not take place during the movie. It's not the fictional movie. It's that um, you have to explore the sets of the movie because someone stole the film reels or something like that. Oh, that owns. Yeah. It's not Plans 1 through 8 from Outer Space. It's Plan 9. As Jerry says in the Chinese restaurant yeah, episode yeah. of Seinfeld. It's a real good episode of TV. Hey, anybody you know out who there hasn't uh, seen hosts that exact a uh, dramatized reading of the script of Plan 9 from Outer Space every year around Halloween? Is Jerry that... Seinfeld? Gex. Oh, Dana, uh, Dana Gowald? Yeah. Gowald. <laughs> Is it pronounced Gowald or Gowald? <laughs> it's, it's Gowald. Dana Gowald. 
Welcome back to the Insert Credit Show, episode 172. Uh, I'm Alex Jaffe. Joining me this week are Brandon Sheffield, Tim Rogers, and Frank Zavaldi. Hey, that's us. Yeah. God, there's some sort of traffic commotion is occurring outside my window. Like, Uh, I just heard like, like 25 car horns honking at the same time. Well, we can't hear it. Well, it, I'm just saying it was alarming. I always expect to look out the window and see something horrifying happening down there, and, and usually, no. Just a couple of cars. <laughs> just Dan Aykroyd stabbing a guy. <laughs> well, all those alarms mean that it's time to go back into the dirt bag. Uh, every week, I pluck one question from our subscribers to patreon.com slash insert credit uh, to read on the show for our panel to consider. Uh, this week's question comes from Megan Murphy, who asks, what game as the best post game do we do we call these people the old dirty bagsters is that what we call them? Yeah. you can if you want to um i don't want to game. i like the last name murphy i've got to say it's one of my favorite yeah. last names murphy, murphy. good name mostly yeah, because like of robocop in robocop right. yeah drop it good luck. i i've talked about this game probably too many times on here but one of my favorite post games is in that rocket slime game i mean um Rocket Slime. Is that what it's called? What's it called? Yeah, it is called Rocket Slime. Yeah, it's called Rocket Slime. You Dragon Quest Heroes Rocket Slime. I oh, love interesting. That game it's gonna be a long, long because slime. at the end of it, like you, you can beat everything, and then after you beat everything, you you fix up the town, help all the townspeople. There's a bunch more stuff to collect. Every time hmm. you you like, um, there are enemies, and there are these little com- conveyor belts that you can throw them onto to to either get rid of them and not have to fight them, uh, or to collect them. And if you collect 30 of them then you get a gold statue of them in there and 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 they live in your town and they're really happy and stuff there's just a lot of uh cute nice little things that are tied into the general mechanics of the game that you can do uh, interesting i really like it it's good it almost sounds like brandon sheffield is describing what's good about the end games of every single game in the dragon quest series I hey. might be. uh <laughs> you might yeah. be sounds like you might just like dragon quest if you know what i mean if only only there was one of them you you could play and enjoy on a modern console, huh? Yeah. That's um, my I'm... pitch to everybody. I think Dragon Quest Eleven has a marvelous, marvelous post-game endgame in that it contains a huge chunk of story post-credits. Uh, every Dragon Quest game has a bunch of story post-credits, but also it just has a neat vibe. Townspeople all have different uh, different uh, things to say. There's different little, uh, just little dialogues. Everything's just different. The dra- Dragon Quest One had just the perfect elegant encapsulation of a of an rpg post game where yeah i was, gonna, poisonous... I was gonna bring this up yeah yeah it's just you just walk you enjoy a nice walk back from the dragon lord's castle all the way back around the uh the the sort of counterclockwise spiral of a, yeah. of a world continent and all of the poisonous swamps have turned into flowers and there are no more random enemies and you can stop at every town on the way and just talk to everybody i mean it's just a very perfect molecular example of the the dragon quest post game and it's just a very lovely experience yeah i mean i saw that when i was i didn't play it but my a friend of mine beat it in front of me yeah and it just seems like all of the good post games Louis ck i'm sorry i'm very sorry started there <laughs> Bingo! i really have to apologize for that joke keep going frank i'm sorry yeah, that's, you it. Really do. that's it okay. i just think that was the that, that was the post game that defined post games. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, Earthbound does the yeah. exact same thing, except it does it uh, much, much, much uh, denser. It has a there's there's a lot more towns and a lot more people and a lot more uh, a lot more fun to be had uh, and stuff to be experimented with and poked at. You can go back inside old dungeons 
and find stuff. The Earthbound endgame is incredible in, in its complexity and just how much stuff that it just... But basically, it's just an explosion of that Dragon Quest endgame. Uh, here's a good joke answer. Uh, so if the ending of uh, Animal Crossing is when you pay off the loan to your house, isn't the whole game just a post-game, right? That's not really yeah. a good joke. But, uh, I mean, it sort of is. Uh, this is, again, this sounds like a stupid answer, though I do have uh, something to say about it. Um, like, Destiny has a campaign, and then once you get through it, the post-game is just waiting for uh, them to release new little missions. And there's something mm -hmm. brisk and enjoyable, or at least when I, I played Destiny 1 pretty hardcore, because it's, it's just Dragon Quest with guns, basically. And once I was done with all of the content, I felt accomplished. And then when Bungie announced they were releasing such and such new thing, I was like, ooh, neat. I can now, I can top up my completion of Destiny with this 40-minute little new mission that I can do. And yeah. that was fun. So it's just a perpetual endgame is what games are now. And I actually think that's really nice, especially if you play those games a lot and it's one of your only games that you play uh which uh it would be fun if i played destiny a little bit more than i did post game is really just an excuse to return to a world you like to hang out in. yeah yeah, yeah. there's always stuff to do in those worlds i feel uh, like the, these days yeah because the post game is could be better it's it's good but i could enjoy it more if there well, were a little more to do but it's in Yakuza's, in Yakuza's defense, uh, they they don't really need to have a very long post game because sure. the post game is just the next game that's going to be coming out in like three right. weeks. Uh, is apparently the uh, that's the the Yakuza model just wait a couple of weeks and the the next full eighty hour game has magically appeared somehow. But I would imagine that if all you did was the main quest, it would be the most fantastic post game experience that's of any true. game. That's a good point. Also. I've actually never beaten The Witcher 3, but I've played enough of it to know that when I do beat it, I will uh, I will feel really sad uh, because I think all of the little side quests and stuff are real fun. I got it running at 4K 120 FPS over here. Okay, it's 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 gorgeous. I'm like told that the two the, the, the final DLC for The Witcher 3 is the high bar, the ultra high bar for DLC episodes, and I'm just told it is like an extremely good uh story content episode that that finishes uh the, i mean again i haven't beaten the witcher 3 so i don't know i'm just told that the story of the witcher 3 ends satisfactorily and then these dlcs somehow don't mess it up and that sounds very tantalizing to me well the All dlcs right. can be played during the game they're they're not yeah they're not after yeah. or you have to play to a certain point before you can uh, actually get into them but yeah i would never do that though I, I need to get through the whole game what's the right amount of random chance to use in a video game oh is this the gotcha mechanics question again well, I'm, I'm using none in our in our next game and uh oh good luck with that jerry <laughs> that it, it, it does cause a lot of significant problems which i think aren't Huge problems for me, but maybe problems for other people. It's it's interesting when you remove chance. There's there's a little, but it's very 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 small the amount of chance. Remember when Will Wright got up on GDC and he told everybody that his his favorite game of the past twenty years or so was Advance Wars Two for the Game Boy Advance. Do you remember that? I forgot. Do you remember that, this? No, no he I don't. When he did that speech at GDC where he was like the, the special anonymous guest speaker who showed up and it was Will Wright. He was on the syllabus as a Phaedrus, I believe. And he got up there and he said that his favorite game of the past million billion years was was Advance Wars 2. And he just he talked for a few minutes about how perfect the game was and how how it's uh, 
one of the most extremely difficult things to make. And I mean, Advanced Wars is a, is a game that has no, uh, I don't know, you hear Rubes liken it to chess and such, you know? And I mean, that is a nice surface level reading of that particular game's bounty and glory. Though the fact that chess is always on like an 8x8 grid with no terrain, that, that Advanced Wars levels and maps like work at all is incredible. Uh, that the game does not completely fall apart. If you've ever made a custom Advance Wars level and and played it two players, mm-hmm. you've noticed that stalemate is the uh, the the current the like ending uh, state of each game about ninety five percent of the time. It's really hard to actually like win against another person in a custom map. Yeah, those maps are brain bustingly difficult to make. So the question of uh, when does a what's the right amount of random chance? Very good question. Uh, though I do propose that zero is definitely not the right amount for most people. I Does that agree. make sense? Yeah. Because um, yeah. I, I cannot fathom. I think I'm pretty smart, you know. I had scientists x-ray my brain when I was eight years old. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to have to make, like, a Fire Emblem level. Or a uh, or at least, you know, one of the, the old Fire Emblem levels. or They've gotten a little looser. Or an Advance Wars level. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's just ridiculous to allow for that much flexibility, yet with uh, absolutely no random chance. That's incredible. Random within a controlled range is is a good way to to go because I I don't like in uh, I don't know in XCOM for example when you've got a eighty five percent chance of hitting mm-hmm. and it and it doesn't hit. Um, yeah, and it like when it, when it uses the actual accurate eighty five fifteen percent. There is, you know, there's, it's a dice roll <laughs> that means yeah. you could, you could miss twice in a row on an 85% chance and that it just yeah. doesn't feel right. And I don't like so it. So you're an advocate for a selection without replacement. Is that what you're saying? I'm definitely an advocate for faking the numbers is what I'm an advocate yeah. for. Well, there is a, a similar era of GDC, a keynote by Sid Meier, where he talks a lot about exactly how much random chance he would bake into the old civilization games mm. and uh i i don't want to misquote it i would just recommend if anybody out there is very very interested in this this razor fine line between will wright and sid meyer's opinions of the amount of random chance that should be in a video <laughs> game seek out i mean will wright and sid meyer are definitely two of the best people to try to 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 try and fail to learn something from uh, in the in the field of video game design, two of the best people to put their names on a video game. Okay, they they earned their names on their video games, as far as I'm concerned. A hundred percent, Sid Meier, a hundred million billion percent earned the right to have his name on a game. And so did Will Wright. Whatever, even Spore, you know. And I know that's not even really the game that they they were making. Um, I would recommend watching any Sid Meier lectures. He did this keynote at at GDC. Uh, I would recommend watching any any GDC lectures he ever did because. There's just a whole lot of stuff. And he is huge on randomness in games. And it's very sublime, this very beautifully mathematically sublime amount of randomness. So I would say Civilization 2 is about the one I would say go for. Mm. Beautiful game, Jerry. Beautiful game. Randomness is really interesting to talk about for me because, like I said, we're, we're doing a thing where there's very, very little of it. And I realized after talking to my friend Randy O'Connor, who's a game designer and artist, I know Randy. I needed to kind of reframe my thinking about what what this means because we don't we don't punish the player for making the wrong decision or 
for making what they think is the right decision, but which turns out to be wrong because of randomness. What we need to do is celebrate and and elevate when they do things really well and efficiently because you can do, even though the randomness is not there, you can still do a better or worse job. You can do it more efficiently or less efficiently. Right. And, Did you ever play uh, uh, Vandal Hearts, Brandon? Yes. Van yeah. Okay. So you know how Vandal Hearts uh, rewards you with uh, massive, disgusting, like cartoonishly horrible arterial blood sprays if yes. you uh, if you manage to backstab an enemy with the instant kill in one hit. Yeah, that's a that's a neat example of uh, non-randomness uh, uh, really rewarding you for doing stuff like the virtuoso way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that's the end of our question, though, oh, Jeffy. Oh, uh, that's correct. I pressed the button for you. Is that is that the right sound? Uh, that's a right good sound. sound. I think it's about it? right. What are the greatest lengths to which you have ever gone to play a particular video game? I don't want to say too much, though. I've been uh, I've been going through a bit of a thing re The Witcher Three over the past couple of months. Uh, oh, uh, the lengths I'm going through to uh, to allow <laughs> myself to play The Witcher Three. It's not that good. I mean, that's you think the... I've mentioned it, Brandon? I, I have do. not mentioned it. Uh, okay. I've played a bunch of The Witcher Three. I've played a lot of it. There's okay. a whole lot going on with why I'm not playing The Witcher Three. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've played enough of that game to know that I like it. Uh, the end. Um, okay. okay, I got one. It's not what the question was. But no. I, got one. I know, I know. Well, I'm saying, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just hinting at everybody, stay tuned. I'm going through something to play The Witcher 3. There was a version of SimCity for the 8-bit Nintendo that mm -hmm. uh, you, could, you could argue I wanted to play, but really I wanted to preserve, I wanted people to have, um, mm -hmm. that was discovered um, because a former Nintendo employee brought it into a shop. Uh, they announced that they would be attending a a convention um in order to start uh, entertaining offers on this game um and i set up an entire museum display uh at this show at portland retro gaming expo um of unreleased nes games with like three different playable stations and like a locked case full of ephemera and binders with printed materials and things like that as a honeypot <laughs> trap for the person that I assumed was the owner of this cartridge and, and, uh, and, and I set this up at the show, uh, three months of work easily, uh, in order to, um, make him like me and the idea of preserving his game as opposed to selling it to the highest bidder, uh, in order that we might, uh, uh acquire that game. Um, and, and then spent, uh, three days at the show, um, in intense negotiations, <laughs> with this person and its owner while someone who had flown in from another country was also uh, haggling with these two um, in an attempt to uh, purchase the game for a five figure sum and then bring it back home and never share it. Um, I did all of that and acquired the game and played that because that's how bad I wanted it. That's exactly what I'm talking about. That's some great lengths. I could probably beat that. Okay. <laughs> all right. What do you got? What do you got? <laughs> One time I went down to the store. No, I, I mean, I, I paid $300 for this Saturn game. I don't they think y'all got that bad. And he said, we got the last one. Yeah. I don't think there's anything that I could possibly say that could beat that. While, while the person who uh, was able to front the money, able to uh, unlock this uh, achievement for us uh, was dealing with family loss at home. I should also oh, wow. Family yeah. loss. Well, Frank, what if I told you, I literally learned all of the Japanese language just so I could play <laughs> video games. And 
<laughs> what if I told you that? That's pretty good. I mean, well, I told, not only did you I learn, told... you embedded. You embedded yourself. <laughs> did you do that to play a particular game? I wanted to play Dragon Quest V, yeah. That was like the, right. the game that was in my head as I wanted to play. I refused to play some, you know what, I'm not going to say, I'm going to go ahead and say fan translations back then. They were, there was probably a decent one. Uh, I, I, I just refused to play the fan translations. I was like, I'm going to learn this language, dude. And then I did. I learned enough of it to, uh, to get a job. Yeah, in a in a, a fancy office where I had to wear a suit. This is not nearly as impressive as Frank's, but I did. I, maybe I've talked about it. I did get a game from Housemark that now Frank has, um, and I believe we have the oh, only yeah. copy of it in the world. Yeah. Where I was on a press tour to Finland, and Uh-oh. I was going around to various Finnish game companies, and we were in Housemark uh, one day, and the CEO was talking about uh, Ilari Kuitinen. He was talking about uh, all the games that they had made throughout their lifetime as first the original, it was called Something House and then Something Mark, and Mark Something, I forget. There were two different, like, demos. It was originally called Dog House, D-O-G-G House, and they got sued by Snoop Dogg. This sued by Snoop, yeah, they had to change that. So, um, but all was mentioning all their games and then came upon this one game, which I think was called The Tracker or something like that, or The Trader, and it mm-hmm. was a, ps2 game that looked really impressive for the time but uh was unreleased and so i was like do you still have that somehow and he's like it might be on our servers i'm not sure if it still builds though and so i was like well could you maybe check and he 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 asked how long i was here and i was like well three more days and he's like okay come back in three days on the day that you're leaving and i'll see if we've got it and uh turned out they were able to just burn it to a disc and uh, and it ran and so now does it rule it's pretty interesting like the the reason it Uh-oh. didn't come out is because it was 2005 <laughs> sounds like it doesn't rule uh, no <laughs> I, well, it's, it, it's a demo is so it's it, oh, it course, can't exactly fully rule but it Demos was pretty can rule. good you ever play john woo's stranglehold that demo rules yeah. game not so much demo rules this is a question I would like to hear more about from our listeners on forums.insertcredit.com. So yeah, get it in there. there this week, and I'd like to hear the length that you've gone to play a particular video game. Our next question, Uh-oh. what are the best bombs in video games? Oh, ba-ba-ba-boom. In Saturn Bomberman fight, when you get a really big bomb, it's this huge dithered polygonal multi-sta- multi-stages of dithering multi-stages of polygon shape we call that dithligonal where i'm from M- multi-hecahedron shape of a bomb and i love how that looks that's one of my a favorite dithligonal hecahedron Heck yeah, yeah that's what you call it yeah that's good that's one of my favorite bombs in video games well it's it's really the explosion of the bomb oh wait i have another one which is all of two. the yeah. hidden bombs in Suzuki Bakuhatsu are pretty fun. Uh, I especially like the one in a soda Bakuhatsu. can. Bakuhatsu. Mm-hmm. You know this game? It's the one yeah, where... No, yeah, I know that game. Suzuki yeah. Bakuhatsu. Yeah. You got a... It's an Enix game on PlayStation 1 where you have to defuse bombs that a mad bomber has hidden in everyday objects. I'm not like, going to lie. I recently downloaded from the Internet Archive every single Enix game for the PlayStation 1 uh, just like five days ago, so... Nice. Ooh. You can get you some Suzuki Bakuhatsu. <laughs> I actually, I encountered, I encountered that one while doing that. It's yeah, fun. Maybe I'll check it out. Fun bombs in there. So my favorite bomb in video games is uh, Mighty Number no. Nine. Yay! Nice. Oh, nice. bingo! Um, so I'm gonna say, in all seriousness, you know what the best bomb is in video games? Yeah. Is when you jump into the air and press the attack button just in time to grab and throw one of those stupid skull face bombs from Gunstar Heroes. 
and yeah. you encounter that nice freeze frame. Oh yeah, and that's you've, nice. You've just Englished it with the D-pad, and it whips in a wild direction and slams into a guy with like a propeller jetpack and blows up with that beautiful sound. Yeah, I love throwing that's those things. That's the best bomb in video games. Though also, I'm gonna go ahead and give my number two to uh, the. I'm gonna pick a normie answer here. Uh, the remote mines in Goldeneye are fantastic bombs, mm. and it was one of the funniest things in the world to set one of those on the wall, and then uh, people called it screen cheating. Look, looking at somebody's split in the screen. No, that's just, I think that's how the game is meant to be played. You yep. look at where the person is and you see them walking by and you blow it up and it is instantly ridiculously rewarding. I like Boom. the, uh, I like the restraint of the bomb in Breath of the Wild. I don't really like that game all that much, but I kind of like there being a bomb that's pretty useful, but not, you know, highly explosive and not instantly destructive of everything around it. I like it just sort of being an okay weapon that you can use infinitely. Yeah, that's pretty good. I also like how you can, uh, I mean, if you watch those people doing their weird, look what I figured out, I sure. can do things. It's it's fun watching the extended possibilities. Talk about a uh, a game where its core is not perfect. Uh, okay, can I defined. just say for a second, it's called video content creation. It's not called weird, look what I can do things, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, nice. it's a specific, it's a specific uh it's speed variant of that. Stuff. I yeah. know, I know. I'm just making what I thought was a good joke. <laughs> As punctuated by the shotgun. <laughs> it's got to have the shotgun sound. We're doing yeah, some those, those weird little videos crash. where people set up the bomb and they freeze time and they get their guy like right in a specific area and they like yeah. surfboard yeah. up over a mountain or whatever. Yeah, I've seen a couple of those. Talk about a game that doesn't have a good end game. That one sure does not because people have had to go to such length as... I will freeze this bomb in this place and do this thing to do this trick because they wanted to play more Zelda and they right. weren't allowed to because there wasn't any left. I know <laughs> the feeling back with the old Link to the Past. You 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 don't want to even know what we had to do with Link to the Past in <laughs> you, order to enjoy. You had enjoy. no physics on that one. Yeah, we had to just like see if you could oh see if I could just do a run for like and kill like six guys. We had to really stretch Link to the Past in order to have fun after beating it. I remember having Link's Awakening and. Digging up every single square on the map. Wow, that's horrible. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it doesn't uh, sound it very horrifying. fun at all. <laughs> it was horrible. No, no. It's uh, basically the most fun thing to do with the Zeldas back then was to just start it over and play through it again. Yeah, it's yeah. always a good time to do that. You know, what's a surpri surprising to me is there aren't very many good bombs in like scrolling shooting games or even in you know like Ace Combat type things. None of those bombs feel very fun to use or satisfying to me. They always feel like they're like fulfilling a Zevius bomb. Yeah, they're feel they're yeah. fulfilling an obligation of there being two types of enemy to defeat or two planes on which I have to interact. They never feel like I'm doing something really fun. Although maybe the the big bomb in in Raiden feels okay. You know, like because it creates a big crater and you feel like you really did something. Yeah, it's a, everybody wants that terrain deformation. Yeah. They want that destructive environments. It's all about the destructive environments. They want that Hulk ultimate destruction. I basically like any bomb that you can kick as well. Uh, the Saturn, I, I think, uh, you know, in, in Bomberman, you can kick some bombs. Uh, yeah, starting in Bomberman 93 or 94, you can kick bombs pretty good. Yeah, yeah, kicking them's pretty good. I just always thought it would be cool to have a game where you could just like really field goal kick, really punt a bomb, you know? And it would like hit a guy in the chest and he would blow up. I think that would be pretty cool. Like a, a bomb that's like a football. There's got to be a $2 Steam game called Kick Bomb, right? Yeah. Kick Bomb. Kicky Bomb is what they call it. 
Oh, also, Truck Heck has, I think, probably the actual best bomb in video games. Just throwing nice. that out there. Okay, question number 10 is the question I'm about to ask right now. Makes sense. What is the finding a long, crispy French fry in your order of onion rings of video games? Wait, do we like that or don't we? Well, we well that's you tell me. Up to you. On that. Brandon, do you like onion rings? No. Ooh, so no. if you were forced to eat onion rings, the French fry would be the thing you went right for? But did you say curly French fry? I said crispy. Crispy. Oh, okay. So like a, like a, the question is, do you think crispy is the ideal French fry is another I question. Do. Okay. So for me, Interesting. finding, finding a crispy, long, crispy French fry in the, in the onion rings, that for me is good. Okay. How about for you too? I mean, uh, I enjoy both of these things and I, and what I enjoy more than onion rings or crispy French fries is variety in my meal. Yeah, sure. So yes. I'm, I'm having a good time if I find a French fry. Good. I and specifically Tim? went to the Guy Fieri restaurant in Las Vegas, and one of the items was uh, back before you know they they burned it down or whatever happened. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I think it was shut down later. And uh, the only thing on the menu that I, uh, as a vegetarian, was able to eat was this bucket of French fries, right? <laughs> and it was it was With in a steel it was in a steel bucket. Oh well, I'm getting there. Uh, I'm getting there. It was in a steel bucket, and the menu advertised it as having five different types of fries, which is a uh, you know, a little, you know what, I, I think Guy Fieri's actually pretty cool. Uh, after I looked sure. into uh, the, after I watched a couple episodes of a couple of his shows, I'm like, oh, this guy actually like, I, I think nice. everyone's come around. Yeah, 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 all yeah, around, yeah, 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 um, I, yeah, it's uh, everyone, everyone has like very recently come around. I've yeah. noticed it's like people are just proudly talking about how much Guy Fieri's a nice, he's a nice man, which is what my mom was saying all along. So. <laughs> My mom is cooler than most people on Twitter. So yeah, I got this big bucket, this big steel bucket with like five different types of French fries, and they were all so bad. Uh, <laughs> they they were like, you ever get those seasoned fries that are like crusted with like Cheeto esque with with seasoning? Yeah, and it's it's always seasoning of nebulous provenance where it's you don't understand it's it's cayenne pepper and salt and whatever. Anyway, there was one onion ring in in that bucket. Okay. Onion ring. And that onion ring was the best part of the bucket. <laughs> That's the end of my story. Also, you could you could have ordered the onion rings then. Yeah. I should have ordered onion rings. Yeah, well, yeah. To there me, was a another option. Who likes both onion rings and French fries? This question is ordering one kind of good time and unexpectedly getting a different type of good time for a little bit in the middle of a little time. sliver of it. I guess it might be a really good mini game or yeah. uh, or a, a sub mode that you didn't really think about but yeah really good mini game i kind of this this is going to be a controversial opinion but i really like the cabaret management simulator in uh in yakuza okay. yeah yeah those are cool and to me well structured that's that's one because i i don't know i, I do kind of like management sims i i find them engaging in a and and since this one has a finite beginning middle and end i don't have to be like, what, wait, what am I doing? Why am I wasting my time on this? Like I would with a free-to-play version of that because it, at a certain point it's over and there's no point in me doing it. And uh, I like that. That's one. But it's not the best example, I wouldn't say. I think uh, in, the, in the middle of Tokimiki Memorial, there's a very slim chance that you might, uh, you might somehow find yourself playing uh, Twinbee. Yeah. Poppin' Twinbee. And it's, it's not just Poppin' Twinbee. It is an exclusive level that is a, an exclusively designed like score attack bonus yeah, mode it's a caravan mode as, as yeah. they say in those pc engine parlance that's exactly exactly what it is and uh that rules a lot uh and it's just it's just there and you get to play it and as soon as you die it's over and uh you're like you've got to just kind of 
re-roll your whole game in order to possibly do that again. Yeah, I like this. I would say that that is the the battle system in Tokimeki Memorial, where you do the Final Fantasy battles, which are rare and come up at completely unpredictable times. I, I would say those are less like a french fry in the onion rings than the twin bee is, because it's just, ooh, this is fun for a couple seconds. It's like a arcade perfect twin bee just popping in there all of a sudden. That's yeah. a french fry in my onion yeah. rings, and I like onion rings, I gotta say. What are the best onion rings you've ever had, Frank? Uh, there was this cafe in Vegas. I can't remember the name of it, but um, my uh, my boss's boss at the time was obsessed with it because he was obsessed with Hunter S. Thompson, and they shot the diner scene in Fear and Loathing in this place. Uh-oh, um, yeah. So it was onion rings that were uh, obscenely thick. They were almost like a like a like a a, a cake batter, almost thick with oh, batter yes. or with onion with batter. Okay. Um, so it was, you know, kind of soft and almost donut like in texture, but huh. savory with the onion inside. That was the best onion ring. I've it ever almost had. sounds like a hush puppy in a way. Um, it doesn't have the, the uh, seasoning of a hush puppy, though. It tastes like onion ring. I, like I would propose calling it, a, calling it a fun puppy. It's what puppy. you would call an sure. onion hush puppy hybrid would be a fun puppy. Somebody out there, you can make that. I don't I don't even <laughs> want the royalties. <laughs> OK, I think let's go on to our lightning round. Okay, I actually uh, think that was a good question. That was a good one, and uh, yeah, I, we might I tried to stall back. for time by thinking about. I have strong opinions about those kind of fried foods. I can't eat onion rings like I used to could. Well, anymore uh, these days, though, I, I do like thinking about them. I have been keeping score throughout the show. Right now, Frank is in the lead, but that can all no. change. <laughs> actually, Frank should not be in the lead because he talked about SimCity on SN on on NES yeah. and did not talk about how good Raid on Bungling Bay is. So yeah, that wasn't the topic, though. Doesn't matter. He should have mentioned Raid on Bungling right. Bay. So, Sim City on NES was pretty good. Not as good as Raid on Bungling Bay. Well, inspired by one of our most popular games, Pokedexperts, we're going to play a game this week that I'm calling Playing Flavorites. I'm uh -oh. going to show you a series of items or characters, and you have yeah. to come up with a line of flavor text for each one of their entries in the in-game encyclopedia. Oh, okay. uh, Do we know week, what kind of game we're talking about? Uh, I'm about to tell you. Oh, that's uh, good because news. Because this week we are doing Mega Man Robot Masters. Oh, McGammon. Oh, Craigums. Your first Robot Master is Iceman. Oh, what, are we, what are we doing with this? You're giving We're... us a line of flavor text for their in-game encyclopedia entry. Ah, uh, so like, like Magic the Gathering style flavor text. Iceman, he's not a nice man. Okay. Mm, not exactly a flavor textual, in my opinion. You know, I translated a ton of flavor text, not myself, but paid someone to translate a ton of flavor text for all these guys in a product I did. Can I can I download that fast enough to uh, <laughs> what, what read it? Were they like? What was the because uh, I don't remember there being flavor text. With so these there's guys. so for the first six games, um, it was a feature we took from the PlayStation ports and it was like a database of all the enemies in all the ah. games. And they tended to be they tended to try to be backstories uh, involving what their intended function was before That's they robot. went bad. I yeah. see. Oh, yeah. So um, my, my text for this guy would be, one day, Dr. Wily's refrigerator stopped working. There you go. Yes. That's Escaped good. from Grandma's icebox, and now he's on the loose. Your next guy is Chill Man. Wait, who's this guy? Chill Man? Uh, my sweet Nora. 
Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, very good. <laughs> to never again walk with a warm hand in my own. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Yes, I would kill for that. In the in the later films, <laughs> cold as ice, freeze. Yes, uh, et cetera. Robin. Ice to see you. Did you uh, know put a butthole on that solid in that movie? It's yeah, I know. Movie. That's from uh, the, Simpsons. the Simpsons. Yeah, Daddy. Uh, your next is Cold Man. Cold Man. There's no cure for him. <laughs> <laughs> he's he he's not as common as you'd think. The only cure for him is a blaster. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Or yeah, sure. <laughs> or sub it with whatever the he's actually weak to. Yeah. Mega Buster. Tundra Man. Tundra Man. This one's wow. for the furries. Oh wait, he can skate. There's he's nothing furry about this. Uh, I don't know. It's all metal. Yeah, I this is uh, I no think, animal uh, one, ears. I think one tail. should be you should be wing. put in podcast jail for uh, for that. That's not a I tail. I think the uh, robot equivalent of furries should be clanky. The head uh, clankies. Yeah, it's for clanky. The mannequin equivalent of for furries should be clunkies because sure. metal wood makes a kind of clunking sound. <laughs> Okay. Uh, the, the mallet equivalent of furries should be cl- uh, clonkies. Uh, clonkies. Yeah, so I guess this go. one would be like once uh, designed to replace Olympic class skaters or something like that. Not very exciting, but no. that's probably what it was for. Uh, designed to win uh, the, the gold medal. m- medals that have not been uh, invented yet. <laughs> Freeze, I know man. I've skating. certainly noticed a trend here, Jaffe, which is that in addition to this topic already being difficult, you are making it more difficult. <laughs> by, uh... Freeze, man. <laughs> oh, you picked up on that. Yeah, I did pick up on it. Freeze, well, was, man. Uh, was created as an employee at uh, Dr. Wiley's uh, Frozen Pea Factory originally. Yeah. Dr. Wowie. Dr. Wowie. Oh, Dr. Wowie, yeah. Wowie. Dr. Wowie's meat pack. I'm sorry, I mispronounce. I do that all the time. Dr. Wowie. Dr. Wowie. Dr. Wowie's pee factory. <laughs> I like Dr. Right. Wiley. Uh, Frostman. 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 He's in Mega Man 8, which is the best Mega Man. Uh, <laughs> Mega Man? the flavor text. <laughs> oh, man, I like how the ring around the bottom of his face looks kind of like teeth. Yep. Oh, yeah, he's just got circle teeth. Yeah, just, so he's, he's like a ring of teeth. He's a, he's a big robot igloo gorilla. Mm-hmm. I like it. And he's got a, 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 a gauge he's on him mittens. that shows he's all the way cold. And his hands are mittens. They're mittens, yeah. I love how in these Japanese games, they're like, okay, this guy is cold, so we've got to give him, like, mittens and earmuffs because because he, he's cold. It's like simultaneously he embodies and needs to be protected from the things that he right. is. He also seems to have rocket blasters on the top of his feet. Yeah, that rules. Yeah. To keep him grounded? Cold. I don't know. Yeah, just oh, to so, yeah, so the flavor the text ground. is... His shoes contain cold holes to hold the, <laughs> hold the coldness in to the soles. All right. Our, okay, uh, our last one, so make this good. good Blizzard luck. Man. Blizzard Man, uh, uh, unfortunately rejected uh, from Overwatch 2. <laughs> there you go, because he's an Overwatch character. Right. All right. Oh, I get it. Blizzard Man, got it. Okay. Well, that was an ending. Um <laughs> You know what? I'm going to let the listeners decide amongst themselves who won this week's episode. So uh, why don't you go on to forums.insertcredit.com where this episode link is posted and let me know which of the panelists did the best job this week. And I'll tell them who got the most votes from you people. Uh, Until then, uh, does anyone have anything they'd like to recommend to our audience or plug in regards to their own personal project? Personal projects? I've got to recommend, which is... The Wolf of Snow Hollow. That's a movie. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. 
It's a, uh, you know, a lot of these movies these days that are B movies, they try to be an 80s B movie or a 90s B movie and they just try to replicate that. This one is not, it's not trying to do any of that kind of nonsense. It's just a movie that's made on a budget. Uh, it's got its flaws. Um, some of the, the acting is very touch and go, but it is a pretty cool story, re- really relatively contained about a, uh, a werewolf situation in a small town where the um the sheriff is aging and dying and his son is trying to take over but he has alcoholism and rage issues but it's also kind of a comedy um it's yeah a, it's, I, it's a pretty good one i saw i didn't see the movie though i saw some stuff about it. it's isn't that the 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 movie that was uh robert forster died did he die before it came out that he was like his last movie was it his la- it was his last it one out. I think there is one movie after that that, but it it doesn't seem to be quite of as much consequence. So yeah, he 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 was definitely in the credits as in memoriam, and he dies in the movie as well. Uh, I guess I shouldn't mention that. But oh yeah, well I mean I figure kind I figure implied. it's kind of if it's a father and son thing, and it's a werewolf, and he's an yeah. old man, you know he's not going to make it. Right. Robert Forster has a good accent. That's true. That's all I have to say. He just he has a good you know when you want to talk about American people with a distinctive. Uh, non-standard accent that guy's got a good one like michigan detroit it's kind of a michigan accent it's a I, decent accent jerry you you can forget that that guy was a young person because he he was an old dude in so many movies but he he was a pretty good young dude also in movies yeah some of those dudes were uh you look at those old dudes and you just never really got to see what they looked like when they were younger and then when you see them it's like oh they were cool that guy was cool yeah i once yep. tried to find out what willie nelson looked like when he was younger and uh he looked pretty much like willie so yeah. he didn't really look too different. He just came I mean, out of the looked, womb like that. Yeah, he clearly was younger, though uh, he didn't. He, his style never changes. So good old Willie. Yeah, he never got the big Willie style. Man, that yeah. Willie Nelson song in uh, Red Dead Redemption Two is one of the best uh, song moments in a game. Just throwing that out there. We never yeah. talked about that before. I don't think there's a Willie Nelson song that comes up in Red Dead Redemption Two, and it's real good when it comes on. It's tasteful. That's me talking about Willie Nelson now. I don't know why. Listen to Willie. He's all right. Is that your recommendation? No, I don't. I that's not my official recommendation. Though. I've read a bunch of uh, get into Willie. Go for it to uh, to the Czech Republic to try to sell them in exchange for for Czech records and oh uh, Czech records. The only ones that they wanted uh, at this particular place turned out they were, were more interested in chess at that were the, time. Were the Willie Nelson records that I had, and uh, oh, they really? gave me a pretty good price for them. Yeah, yeah well, I get a good price for Willie. Willie'd mm-hmm. be proud. He'd be proud of that. Anyone Willie else got Nelson's any Rex? Pretty good. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, Frank, you gonna recommend Raid on Bungling Bay to secure uh, your victory? You know, I'm not actually. <laughs> okay, Frank loses. But uh, ever... I, I will further. I think I think you might have recommended watching Will Wright's GDC talks in addition to, to Sid Meier's. Um, yeah, yeah, both I of do, them. I do. I do like his uh, his classic postmortem of Raid on Bungling Bay, which is a game. It's very I, good. I'd never put any consideration into before uh, attending that talk. So I do recommend going and checking that out for Tim. I actually watched that exact talk uh, like uh, like three or four days ago. So Yeah, I've uh, seen it a couple of times. It's good. Yeah, uh, I, I've seen it a couple of times myself. Man, Raid on Bungling. I was, I was, I, in case you can't tell, I was playing Raid on Bungling Bay very, very recently. Uh, uh, I played it very recently for something specific, and then I just kind of, it became a game that I just keep putting on and playing now. So. That's uh, it's it's just become one of my like oh why did I never really like this game? Uh, you know? It doesn't look that cool. 
I think is why yeah, for and, me anyway. It just doesn't and then have you like play a, it, then when you play it, it's like, oh, this game is cool though. Yeah, I mean I'm sure it is. It just doesn't it doesn't yeah. doesn't have them graphics to get me through. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's uh it's got a lot of stuff in it. That's all I'll say. Has a lot of the camera movement in it. Guy figured out car- uh, camera movement back in 1984 or whatever. It's just camera movement is perfect. Commodore 64, you can play this game on, man. Uh, I don't know what else. I don't know. I don't have any other recommendations because I've been doing the exact same thing uh, for the last seven days since uh, since uh, this with the, we we last convened on this podcast. I have not enjoyed watching any TV shows or anything. Okay, so. um, I could recommend a TV show. What TV um, show? Yeah, do it. I- yeah, all right. I'd like to recommend Toast of London. It's a uh, Matt Berry uh, British comedy. You could watch it on Netflix right now if you're in the U.S. It's about Toast. a uh, classically trained actor who has to take the worst acting jobs in London after he's in a legendarily terrible play that ruins his career. It's oh, really interesting. Good. My, I always ask when it comes to England, why toast when you can roast? You do always say that. Yeah, that's a reference to something very specific. Uh, I also have a number of other recommendations I'd like to get into. I'd recommend that if you're listening to any platform where you can subscribe or review podcasts, that you do that for hours. It helps with our visibility. Uh, fortunately, a lot more people are seem to be listening to and enjoying the show, and we've been really appreciating that. It's been nice to see the reach grow, and we'd like to see it grow some more. Uh, you could also go to patreon.com slash insert credit, where you could become a patron to submit your own questions, get episodes one day early. One day early? E- one day early, and even get exclusive access to regular bonus episodes and other exclusive content. Uh, for instance, as of this recording, we have 336 patrons, and we've decided that once we hit 360, we're going to record a special episode ranking the best Xbox 360 games of all time. Uh, you can join us in the community at forums.insertcredit.com and follow us on Twitter for our own personal updates and projects. The show is at Insert Credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Zafaldi. Tim is at 108. And Brandon is at Necrosoft. This show's producer is Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. I'm Frank Cifaldi. I'm Tim Rogers. I'm Brandon Sheffield. And your game has now been saved. And this is podcasting. Thank God that's over. And now you're playing with podcasts.